0: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP.
1: Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
2: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to On the Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined today by Kathy Fetke. Kathy, how are you?
3: I'm great. This is going to be a great interview. I can't wait.
1: I know. I love talking about these future technologies in the housing industry. It's, It's so much fun to imagine what might come of all of this.
3: Yeah, you know, a lot of people fear technology, thinking it will take away jobs. And oftentimes it does, but oftentimes it brings on new jobs that people like even more. Uh, So, you know, I all I can say is the next 10 years are going to be really exciting, uh, big, big technological advances. And I think this is going to be one of them.
1: Absolutely. I think for our audience, it's especially important to pay attention to just some of the trends that Chris is talking about and how efficiency and productivity are huge barriers to progress in the housing market and to developers and to investors who are frustrated by the high cost of building new homes or just existing homes have gotten really expensive because there is a lack of supply. And Chris presents a really interesting idea about how we might be able to add more housing supply at a cheaper cost. And, and there's some other really interesting benefits to, to this method of construction that you're probably going to be very interested in. Absolutely. All right, let's jump into it. Let's bring on Chris Anderson. But first, we're going to take a quick break.
2: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. So whether you've got a single family, short term or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at Vacasa.com slash BiggerPockets. That's Vacasa.com slash BiggerPockets.
1: Chris Anderson, CEO of Vantum. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Market. It's a pleasure to have you.
4: Well, Dave, thank you so much. Hi, Kathy. Good to see you, too. Really appreciate you having me on. So could you
1: just start by giving our audience a little bit of background on how you're involved in the real estate industry?
4: Sure. So, uh, Vantum, we have a proprietary technology that allows us to build affordable, energy-efficient homes and the way that we do that is through volumetric modular construction. So it means that we're we're building homes in factories, doing it in a in a unique way, and uh, working with developers to develop to, to deliver products that are uh, more affordable and have a higher energy efficiency than than traditional construction.
1: I know Kathy and I are both chomping at the bit to ask questions about that. <laughs> But would just love to know about you personally, how did you, did you found Phantom? Were you in real estate or how did you arrive, you know, how did you come to be the CEO of this company?
4: Yeah, the long and winding road. Um, so I, th- this is my second entrepreneurial endeavor. I was the co-founder of another company who about 30 years ago now, and we were uh, in the business of manufacturing construction products made from sustainably harvested hardwoods. So we were making things like doors and windows windows flooring with factories around the world and shipping them to you know places like Home Depot and Lowe's and 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 and, 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 in, and, and into Europe and so forth and the idea of what is now Vantum came out of that company because you know we we travel around and we'd look and see these job sites where our windows and doors were being uh, installed and you know here we had this really you know modern factory making product, uh, you know, within a thousandth of an inch tolerance, and you derive to the construction site, and, and you know, the window opening be three, three inches off, <laughs> you know, and it was just being everything was being done in a really old school way, like it'd been done a hundred years ago, and all this stuff that, that we saw in terms of productivity and, and tight tolerances um, that, that w- were so prevalent in other industries just were not present in construction, so... You know, we kind of figured there had to be a better way of doing it, put together a really talented team to try to figure out, you know, how can we rethink this system, the whole construction system for uh, and address um, the issues, productivity, um, later also energy efficiency. And uh, that's how we came up with what is the core of this, the, the proprietary technology that, that, that Vantam um, now is deploying. Um, so after we, we had a, a, you know, a good exit from our first company, I, I, uh, started what is today, you know, Vantum and, um, uh, came together with a, just a great private equity fund by the name of Tem capital, uh, who uh, has been along with us since. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've been deploying this technology, uh, in, into, into the space.
1: Well, congratulations on your, on your success of your first company. That, that's incredible. Um, I'm curious, you know, when I hear modular homes, I know they're more modern, but I think a lot of people associate it with Sears track homes and sort of this old school uh, and and a certain type of product. Can you tell us a little bit about what your mission is and how modular, like how you're trying to evolve the idea of modular homes?
4: Sure, yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people do think, do, do think of of modular as something that's really boxy and simple, right? And that's absolutely not the case. So, when, when we started out uh, along this road, one of the key things that we want, that we set out as a goal for ourselves was that whatever technology we developed would be one that when you were done, um, the home that we, we would deliver would look and feel like a traditional home that, that people are, are used to living in, used to seeing. And so a Vantam home, even though it's been made in a factory... When you when you see it uh, finalized, it 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 would not be one that you would recognize as anything different than than a traditional home. And you know, I think that's that's just an important, uh, really an important difference because you know, just because you're building something more efficiently doesn't ma- doesn't necessarily mean people are going to really want to live in the home. So you know, and, and aesthetics are important. So yeah, we're really proud that that, that what we're able to do kind of meets all the different architectural demands that, 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 that creative arch- architects might have.
3: You know, Chris, I've been covering stories on modular homes and new, new techniques for building more sustainably and more affordably, and yet it just doesn't seem to be getting traction. It, it's not catching on, and if anything, it's kind of got a bad rap. I mean, I'm in California, where you'd think that we'd be all over this, right? You know, sustainable, right. affordable. We need it. You probably heard the the story in LA that we're trying to build. We are trying to build affordable housing, and it was what eight hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars per house for the homeless. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so is is modular getting more acceptable now?
4: Well, I think you, so. Let me step back a little bit. I, I think that the 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 biggest problem my critique would be that as people have tried to address how to you know do modular construction uh or um be more efficient by automating construction they didn't step back and rethink the entire system and what i mean by that it's it's you know it it, it it's like people have said, all right, let's, let's automate, um, let, let, let's automate uh, agriculture. And they set out to design a mechanical four-legged horse, right? Instead of designing something completely different with a tractor with wheels and it's just a much more efficient way of doing things. So, you know, most of the modular manufacturing or factory-built manufacturing still is trying to build using wood framing or steel framing. I mean, these are complex systems, right? And so you bring them into a factory and yes, you have the efficiencies of building in a factory, but you have so many parts that you've got to put together that automating all that is extremely complex and extremely expensive. I mean, the equipment to automate all that suddenly is a tremendous ticket and that starts to filter its way into the cost structure right and you know there have been examples of companies i won't name names but you know that that have not made it because they just absolutely over automated these traditional systems instead of stepping back and so You know the way that we have approached it is to really rethink that system, and we don't use frames, we don't use wood framing, we don't use steel framing, we don't use bricks, we don't use cement. We replace all of that with a very simple structural panel that replaces absolutely all of that, right? And so suddenly you have a a, a product that you you can is much simpler to build. It has a lot less parts. We build these big panels. Imagine they're. You know, four foot by ten foot panels that are the walls, they're the floor, they're the the roof of the modules that we make, and they're the final surfaces. They don't require more cladding because they're you know um, fireproof and they're they're uh, moisture proof um, and weatherproof. So you don't have all these extra layers, all this complex system to deal with. And 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 when you bring that into a factory, automating that suddenly is also simple. The equipment that we have is so much less expensive and faster than, than what you would see in a traditional volumetric modular factory. So yeah, I mean, I think that's at the core of the difference between, you know, what what Vantam is doing and what some of the, the other folks in the field that, that maybe, you know, are experiencing some problems have been doing.
3: It, what seems even more outdated than today's construction is the whole process, the whole, the planning departments, the elected officials who know absolutely nothing about construction. And, you know, how are you going to be able to get this through the system so that it's accepted with the, with the cities and with lenders? Let's start with, with the planning departments.
4: All right, well, so, you know, we have been facing um the, those exact challenges for, for years in other markets, right? So we mm-hmm. we started our rollout in 2008. And because of what was going on in, in our, you know, home market of the U.S. in 2008, which we all remember, not a great time to to, to uh, be, be building in the U.S., we started our rollout overseas. So we started in South America. And, you know, all the same issues that we have in the States are present there. And, and, and to a certain extent, even more so, right? They're, they're even mm-hmm. more complicated to get your approvals and whatnot now the, the way that we have gotten across those hurdles is number one the the product that we designed from day one um, had code approvals in mind right so when we designed these panels and we designed the way that we were going to do this system we were thinking you know how are we going to meet the co- the fire code uh, for the, the, the specific testing for the fire code how are we going to meet the acoustical codes how are we going to do all these things and, and so that's baked into the way that the, 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 the product was designed. Um, and as we've you know rolled this out in other countries, we've been really successful in being able to get the code approvals uh, and, and and get the code officials to understand how, how all of these systems work. And now that we're rolling out in the US, um, I, expect, I expect it to be quite, quite similar. Now, the other advantage when you're starting to, when you do volumetric modular and you're doing about 80% of the whole job in a factory rather than on site, the inspections are happening in the factory, right? And so you know, if you do have a new product and a new system, one of the advantages is that you're you you are working usually with one code official that comes into your factory and is looking at the product while it's in process you're not dealing with every little town's coast code officials which is really where you run into the problems right because those those folks are a little usually less less informed particularly as you're looking at new you know new innovative innovative systems and so volumetric modular gets inspected inside the factory and when it when it leaves the factory it leaves with this approval tag that 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 already uh, shows that it's code approved that it meets the codes and when it arrives to the job site The only thing that the local code officials really are having to deal with is inspecting things like the foundations and and, and the more normal part of of the job site. So, you know, it, it actually is 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 not as complicated as as it would be if we were site building all this product.
3: And what about lenders getting them on board? Is that have you seen any momentum there?
4: Um, we're not seeing any pushback. And I think the main reason is we've got more than 3 million square feet of product that's been built um, uh, in, in all kinds of places. I mean, we have homes that we've built in the driest desert in the world. Uh, we have structures we've built on the South Pole. We, we have uh, structures that have survived the strongest hurricane uh, on record, Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas and structures that have that have survived 8.2 magnitude earthquakes in the nor- northern chile so wow,
1: that's amazing
4: pretty good record well you know and, and i think that's what people want to see that's what banks want to see right yeah. they want to see that resiliency they want to they want it they want to understand that these are structures that'll be around and so you know we have structures that have been around many many years and a lot of testing we're not getting any pushback from lenders um on that front because of, of that positive track record yeah
3: and fireproof i think i
4: read well very uh so you you know back to kind of foot if we want to get kind of back to the wonky side of this we you know we build using these structural panels um, again four foot by say ten foot size panels and those panels are made by with three parts they have uh, a, a special skin on each side of the panel it's a special cementitious skin and then the horse the whole middle layer of these panels is in is insulation right and so those two outer layers, the cementitious outer layers, they're actually a type of ceramic, and they're in the family of ceramics that was used on the nose of the space shuttle. I mean, this is some very, very, to use a technical term, very refractory products, very fire-resistant products, and so um, we're able to hit you know extremely demanding fire codes um, because that outer layer, layer that protects our panels. Uh, has been designed to do so.
1: I just learned several new words during that (laughs) answer. I don't think I've ever heard the word cementitious before. It's (laughs) a cool word. I like that. So Chris, that's, that's super impressive. And you keep alluding to efficiency here, and it does make sense. Could you share some numbers with us? How much more efficient is a modular home than a traditionally built, let's say, single family home?
4: Yeah. So let's start with talking about a pet peeve of mine in, 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 in construction, which is productivity growth, kind of another, you know, economist's wonky terms. But so when you look at construction overall, it is the, the of the major uh, industries, it is the one that has had the less, productivity growth of all. It's almost zero over the last 30 years. And when you look at the average productivity growth of all the other industries like car industry, etc., you know, they've experienced up to 30% productivity growth. What does that mean? I mean, that means that for every man hour spent making something, other industries today are making 30% more of that something with the same number of people whereas construction is not. It's taking the same number of people to do the same thing as it has over the last 30 years. And so to your question of of efficiencies, well, the 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 main thing to focus on is productivity. How do you achieve productivity? Well, you achieve it by simplifying the system, what I, you know, kind of preach constantly and hammer at. You you know and and you, so you make it simpler so it, you 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 have less man hours to accomplish the same job. And then the other thing you you typically would do is automate it to make to make that same um, workforce produce more more units. And that's what you're doing in a factory setting. You're you are um, employing the same number of people that you would be employing in in construction. It's not that you're reducing the number of jobs. What you're doing is you're you're increasing the, the number of square feet of living space that that same number of people are able you know are are are, are able to produce.
1: So what what kind of output increases it, Sarah? So you're saying you have the same, let's say, hundred people. Are you going from building? whatever, five houses to a year to six or five to 10? Like what is the increase in
4: productivity that modular provides? So yeah, modular provides, uh, I mean, so let me put it this way. A, a, a typical Vantam ha- uh, factory has about 150 people and we are able to produce a million square feet a year of apartments or houses, all right? So that's, let's say a thousand houses or a thousand apartments of a thousand square feet apiece with about 150 people. You would need approximately 10 times that, roughly, depending what you're doing, the number of people to accomplish the same task, right? Um, and you would have all the other headaches involved of moving those people from job site to job site and all the other costs that are involved in, 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 in site construction. So um, the productivity gains by, uh, doing off-site construction well are really enormous. Wow, that's incredible.
3: That is incredible. And what about the material shortages that we're facing in the construction industry? Do you have those same challenges?
4: Um well, so we the 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 main product that you know we build with is our own. it's our own panel which we produce. and um, fortunately, the materials that we that we, Used to produce that that cementitious skin that Dave liked the the term for <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is uh, uh, you know those those are readily available materials that those are not materials that that have these big fluctuations in costs or, or availabilities so you know we we in the in the core manufacturing of our modules have not experienced things like you know the the huge spike in wood prices for example that I think that other people that other people uh, have. Now um, that said, we're all subject to, you know, other, other constraints like, you know, we all use windows, we all use doors, you know, those kind of things. We, we have had to plan out a little bit more than we have in the past. Uh, but on our core business, we haven't had the same, the same pressures.
3: Where, where are you starting in the U.S. and where where are you getting traction? Which cities are allowing this?
4: Well, yeah. So what what we do, kind of our business model is to partner with strong developers um, in in key markets. So you know what we do is come in and put a factory in in a local market along with a developer who has a strong pipeline to build affordable housing, and we uh, actually have we we originally expected to uh, maybe close two deals this year to put factories in next year and um we're already we've already closed on four and i think that by the time we're done this year we might be somewhere in the neighborhood of 6 to 8 so the the kind of the interest level from the developers has been it really exceeded our expectations and and um, the first uh, factories, the first deals, quote, that we have, the first partnerships we have um, are for the Dakotas in Minnesota, uh, Arizona, Texas, particularly in the Austin and Houston areas, Alabama, Florida Panhandle, southern uh, kind of mid to southern Florida. Those are already on the board and, you know, kind of we're working through how we're going to stage all that. Um, there's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of work to be done there, and and you know we've had a lot of a lot of interest also um, in other areas like California and in the Northeast, but um, you know we'll we'll be addressing those in, in kind of in, in, in as the next steps.
1: I imagine all the developers are interested because it provides significant cost savings to them. With all that increased efficiency you were talking about, can you share any numbers about the cost? Per square foot to develop, let's say an apartment or a single family home, and how that compares to a traditional uh, home.
4: Yeah, so I mean, on on average, Vantoms, um, our our solution is about twenty percent lower than traditional costs. That varies a lot depending on the markets, right? So you know, Kathy talking about California. In California, our our Uh, difference is much higher, just because the local costs are so much higher. Other areas uh, like the southeast of the United States, where where costs of construction aren't quite as high, we're close to that 15 to 20 percent. So kind of overall average, it's it's at least 20 percent, with a big, big, big difference though, because there's an apples to oranges comparison here. The Vantum product, even though it's 20 percent less in cost than traditional, is much more energy efficient, and would and is a net zero ready product, meaning it is so energy efficient that we can turn it into net zero by just adding um, solar panels to to the structure. And again, net zero meaning that um, with a fairly modest solar array, you will generate as much electricity as the home uses. So you at the end of the day, you are using no net energy from the grid, right? And so despite that huge benefit, we are about 20% less expensive than than traditional construction. And so for developers, that's a huge draw, but um, there are others. I mean, another, another important draw is that um, offsite construction greatly accelerates your your time for to complete a project, right? It's around fifty percent of the time that it would take to do a tr- a regular project. And so, for for developers that 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 typically measure return on investment, when you reduce time, it redu- it increases your return on investment tremendously. And so, it really increases that 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 ROI for them a lot. And then the third part, which I think is 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 as important and sometimes more so, is that you know, it, it reduces the risk profile for developers. I mean, where, where do developers have the biggest risk? It's the site construction. It's the cost overrun. It's the time overrun, right? That's where they get hammered. And, and um, by, by, by taking those risks off-site um, and, and putting them into a, a factory setting, they're controlled. Now these are, you know, you don't have rain, you don't you don't have kind of issues with labor having to show up on the job site or not. I mean, it's all really controlled in the factory. And so for the developer, it's not only a cost uh, savings issue and a time savings issue, but it's also a risk mitigation uh, measure that makes it really attractive for them.
3: I mean, a 10 to 20% discount or uh, reduction is huge because of many builders, that's their profit is maybe 10%. Uh, are you seeing any national builders showing interest?
4: Yes, uh, we are in conversations. Uh, although our first um, partners are mostly very strong, very large, but regional uh, regional players. But yeah, we've entered into some conversation with some of the, the some of the national players uh, here recently as well.
1: Are, are most of what you're building single-family homes, or are you also building retail, multifamily across different asset classes?
4: We have built um, it kind of in our in our initial rollout in South America uh, a lot of different things. We we built um, single family homes, multi family homes. We've actually built over two hundred schools. We've built university. We've built commercial. We built a lot of things. But you know one of the things one needs to do in business is focus <laughs> to to be <laughs> uh, to be maximum you know maximally successful. And you know the, the in the U.S. our focus is very much affordable housing. We're going to be, we're focused very much on housing. And, um, within that, uh, it's single family homes, multi-family townhome configurations, and, uh, family apartment buildings up to three floors. That's, that's our real focus, uh, currently.
1: why do you choose that focus?
4: So kind of another, another, uh, important, um, Goal when you're when you know business goal in, in especially when you have a factory uh, is repetition you know rep- factories love repetition that's why originally Henry Ford said you can have any color you want as long as it's black right I mean he took it to the extreme <laughs> um, so repetition is 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 really important and 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 in single in, in home building single family homes. And especially in multifamily, you have that repetition, you know, you have multiple units that you can produce that are the same. And that's where you you really achieve the largest effect in terms of, 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 of decreasing costs and leading, you know, leading to a final product that is more affordable for everybody.
3: Plus, there's nobody out there doing it. It's very, (laughs) very difficult, if not impossible, to build affordable housing today. And a lot of people don't realize that developers are required to provide generally some affordable housing. In our projects, it's usually 30%. And that's usually a loss to the developer. You know, we we had to build the affordable housing first. And you've got to come up with the funding for that. And you don't make your profit to the very, very end. So I, I would just think that Every developer would want to at least have that portion of their development um, you know at least break even. you know wouldn't that be amazing?
4: Right, right. Well, I think that what we what we're seeing is that that yeah, I mean, I, I mean the, the, the goal our partners have and I think it's a realistic goal is that it, it will definitely not be just break even. They'll be making money on them.
3: <laughs> Again a huge oh man, that would that's a game changer for developers because you know more and more city councils will vote for your project if you can if you're able to bring on that affordable housing
4: right but uh, and so but let's not forget it's it's a, it's it, it's not just the affordable side of it but that energy efficiency that's the other thing that, that city councils mm-hmm. are really excited about right so I mean the effect of energy efficiency I, I it, 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 it's it's so multifaceted um, you know we have the kind of the macro part in terms of kind of the benefit that has to carbon reduction and, and climate change which is you know really really a, a critical and important um goal for, I think for everybody. Um, but there's also the aspect that, that if you have a net zero home, that that's not, uh, that doesn't have a light bill, um, suddenly the family has more disposable income that can go towards paying for a mortgage, right? Paying for a slightly bigger house perhaps, uh, or, just being able to buy the house, period, because that maybe they didn't have enough of an income otherwise to be able to purchase that house. Uh, and then to the local communities, the other thing that it that it helps with, and, and that city councils and 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 you know state governments like, is that you're not adding a draw to the energy grid. So they they're not having to add more power plants. They're not having to add to the infrastructure, which is really really expensive, right? So when you're you're looking at adding, you know thousands of, of housing units to meet that housing need that 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 housing deficit that we have the one thing that I think that, that vantam allows is that we don't push put additional pressure on the the local governments to have to raise more money to to put infrastructure in electrical infrastructure in, in particular right and that's just a, a massive benefit also for for, for the, the, that community
3: how are insurance companies responding to this because I would think if if it's more, if these homes are more resistant to earthquakes, fires, wind, storms, I would think insurance companies would be all over it. What, what's been their support for this?
4: Uh, that's been really interesting. Um, we've we've actually uh, been approached by an insurance company um, to develop a specific product for disaster-prone areas in, in, in kind of the Gulf area, or the Gulf, Gulf area of the United States, for Louisiana in, in particular. So, you know, the, that's been a real challenge for a lot of insurance companies. Um, you know, many of them, as I think, I think we all know, they, 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 they've tried to exit or have exited a lot of mm-hmm. these markets where where um, climate change is starting to, to change the risk profile so much that it's just not economical for them to be uh, involved anymore. Uh, in this case, we're working on a, on a program to offer kind of a turnkey solution, which is, you know, Vantam apartment complexes that have an insurance uh, uh, already baked in, pre-approved by the insurance company for areas where otherwise uh, currently building is uninsurable.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Chris, I had a question. You were talking about net zero and um, as someone who lives in Europe, and our energy costs just keep going up like crazy right now. I would love a net zero home right now. Uh, Another component of uh, climate change and housing and construction's contribution to that is the construction process itself, not just once the homeowner is in the home. How does your construction process compare to traditional building in terms of emissions during the construction process?
4: Right. Uh, Yeah, that's a a great question. We, um, you know, Vantum, we brought on board a a, a really important investor uh, several months ago, uh, a fund by the the name of Breakthrough Energy, and it's uh, Bill Gates's fund for CO2 reduction, climate change um, issues. And The reason that they invested in Vantum is that um, they clearly see the potential impact that we can have on carbon reduction, and that comes from two areas, like you said one of them is is the energy savings that Vantam allows uh, over the lifetime of the home but the other the other point that that that, that they really loved about what we 're doing um, is that the, 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 the what they call the embodied carbon of, of a Vantam house. Uh, is much, much lower than traditional construction. So uh, what does that mean? Well, it means that the, the total amount of energy it takes to make all the materials that go into a Vantum house and to build that house is translated into how much carbon emission does that, does that mean? Well, in our case, it's about 80% less than the traditional construction methods being used globally, internationally, um, not only the United States, but, but everywhere else in the world. Now, uh, in the U.S., where, where we use materials that we, you know, we're not building with as much concrete, for example, which in concrete is a very, very energy-intensive carbon emitter, our uh, carbon reduction is a bit less than 80%. But on average, globally, um, we're about 80% more efficient than, than how homes are being built elsewhere.
1: Wow, that, that's incredible. Uh, Chris, I, you know, I think I would love to spend here learning more about t- more time here learning about your process. But uh, we do have to, to start wrapping up. And our audience is primarily real estate investors, everyone for mm-hmm. people who are aspiring to get their first deal to people like Kathy, who are professionals and doing development. If anyone in our audience wants to get involved with modular homes, is that possible right now? Or is it only for people, you know, developers and large scale, uh, you know, builders at this point?
4: I, I think there are, are certainly opportunities in modular homes um, in general uh, available to to everybody. Um, I think the demands on modular home builders are, you know, are high right now. There's a the, the demand outstrips supply for Pretty much, so it might be a little bit difficult, honestly, to kind of go out there and buy a modular home right now off the shelf, if you will, from from other mm-hmm. other manufacturers. Um, from a Vantum standpoint, our first factories will be coming online at the end of uh, uh, next year. Uh, and as I mentioned before, you know, South Dakota, Arizona, Texas, and, and Alabama, Florida, you know, keep your eyes peeled. We'll be letting everybody know as those come on board, and um, you know, we'll be generating quite a bit of capacity. And some of that capacity is, in fact, reserved for about 30% of the capacity of each one of these factories is reserved for third parties, including individuals that might be interested in buying uh, Vantam modular homes.
1: Great. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Is there anything you think our audience of real estate investors should know uh, about modular homes and, and how it might be changing the future of the housing market or the way Americans find housing, find and build housing, I guess I should say?
4: Yeah. Listen, as a, I mean, as an investor, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I really urge people to think about about the energy efficiency and the the impact that has on their returns. And th- there are many angles to that. Um, the 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 appreciation of your asset is greater the more energy efficient it is. And also, uh, with time, what we're going to start seeing as investors in real estate is that. There's a, there's really a great appetite by banks for lending to uh, to projects that have a very high energy efficiency, and um, we're already seeing it perhaps on a on a on a developer scale, maybe not so much individual yet, but we're seeing it at a developer scale where banks are lending at rates that are lower than market for projects that are more energy efficient uh, than than others, uh, and and I I foresee because I I. You know, we are talking to banks that are trying to figure out how to offer mortgages to individuals that are that are lower than market rate because of of the energy efficiency. And so as an investor, I really would urge everybody to, you know, focus on that as a a really interesting opportunity in in the future as as they're looking to build their portfolio.
1: Great. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to learn more about you or connect with Vantum, where can they do that?
4: Best place to look would be on our website, Vantum.com. And that's V as in Victor, A, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, E, M as in Mike. Vantum.com. And uh, Dave, thank you so much for your interest. And and Kathy, really a pleasure talking to you both, okay?
3: Likewise. I can't wait to see where this all is, say, 10 years from now. I think it's going to be a different world.
4: Thanks again. Appreciate that.
1: All right, Kathy, what did you think about our conversation with Chris?
3: Oh, you know, I have mixed feelings because I am i just know how much change is needed in, in the construction industry and in the whole process of bringing on affordable housing. Uh, we need support in this country. You know, we need the governments to get on board. And so I'm, I'm mixed because I want it to happen. And I hope this is the company that can do it because many have failed,
1: like you said. So do you think... It, yeah, I mean, the technology sounds really interesting, but you're more concerned, the bureaucracy, red tape, not really, not as concerned about the technology or you're concerned about both?
3: Well, I'm not, con- I've never been concerned about the technology. To me, it's always made sense that if you can, if you can build a house in a factory, how much easier is it than, like, our, our Utah project, we can't build half of the year, you know, during half of the year. So if that could be just done in a factory, and you can control it, and it's the same thing every time, you know... You've dealt with construction workers, you know, sometimes they don't show up. Or with COVID, you know, you just, the site would be shut down for two weeks if one person tested positive. So the efficiencies have always made sense to me, and I couldn't understand why it wasn't catching on. Just even locally, I'm in one of the most liberal places on earth, and you would think they would be adopting this idea. Uh, And I've tried, I've tried to build modular housing in California, it's really hard even after the fires, when, you know, thousands of houses are gone, you'd think they'd all come back modular, but it's just not been the case.
1: Well, that's why you were so interested in the fireproofing.
3: <laughs> yes, I am. Well, you know, I, again, like California is always burning. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, either people have to stop living here or we need fireproof housing. Because insurance companies aren't going to keep insuring and they're they're starting not to we're we're only half insured on our house we'd only Really? <laughs> we'd only be able to build yeah, they won't do it. Wow. You know, how many times are they going to rebuild and, and you know, most of California or a lot of Californians in a fire zone. So um, then you've got lots of lots of Texas and like you said Louisiana and Florida in a flood zone. So what could a flood zone or in a you know, a hurricane zone. So these Solutions are coming. I get really excited about the technologies that are coming and I just think, wow, what's this world gonna be like ten years from now? I know some of some people want us to be more negative, but it's like all I can see is that technology is going to change things. It's gonna be a different world and it's exciting. I mean, look at just 10 years ago we didn't have Uber, you know? Right. It was brand new. Right. We didn't have Airbnb. And now we just take it for granted. Like it's, of course, of course, you're going to just let a stranger in your car or in your home. These this weren't thoughts we had 10 years ago.
1: It, yeah, it's just inevitable. It has to happen. You know, we, we had uh, Chris on today when we had the 3D printing company Alquist on recently. You know, it's these ideas that make so much sense logically. But unfortunately, you know that the technology and intent is only half the battle with development and bureaucracy, logistics, some of the boring stuff really can get in the way of some of these exciting things. But I have to believe it's just a matter of time. And hopefully it will be sooner rather than later.
3: Yes, absolutely. Yep. We housing just happens to be one of the last dinosaurs, you know, we're still doing it the way we've done it forever. So I, I think that, that brings investors in when they say, "Oh, here's some opportunity," and it does sound like he's really well funded. I, I hope that's the case. That's what it's going to take.
1: Yeah, and maybe one of the you know silver linings to the really difficult affordability challenges we're seeing across the U.S. is hopefully governmental and policy support for building more affordable homes like this. Um, because, like you've said, you know everyone wants the price of housing to go down, but you're a developer and you're trying to build affordable homes right now and you can't even do it. You know, so something has to change, whether it's the technology or policy, uh, you know, it's not like you're out there trying to price gouge people. You're, you're like literally trying to build affordable homes and the, the policy and economy doesn't support it right now.
3: No, it doesn't. And it is it the developer's responsibility? You know, that's always been the question. On our Park City, the only way we could even get the project through was by offering affordable housing, which I was thrilled to do. You know, and the way we explained it is, wouldn't you like to have teachers and firefighters and police officers be here and not an hour away? Uh, so that's how we got the project through. Uh, but those homes they cost us twice as much to build than what we sold them for because they wouldn't let us go over 375,000. It costs seven fifty to build them. So that's, that hurts. That's hard to do. But if there was an option for us to be able to build it cheaper, wouldn't that be amazing? And fireproof and earthquake proof. I mean, all these things, it's wonderful. I hope it works.
1: All right, cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully we'll see some progress over the next couple of years. And if we do, we will definitely update you on a future episode of the podcast. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at BPCon.
3: Can't wait. It's going to be so fun. You have to get a larger space. You got to get a larger space because it's sold out and people are now trading these tickets.
1: <laughs> I know we sold out. And I think uh, the, the team here is response at bigger pockets who's responsible for it is getting a lot of desperate emails, but we, we can't, we, you know, there's only, you know, they have fire codes and certain amount of pe- tickets we can sell. So yeah. I guess next year we're going to have to go even bigger.
3: It's going to be, have to be Las Vegas convention center. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hundred thousand people. There. Yeah. A hundred thousand. <laughs>
1: All right, well, Kathy, it's always a pleasure. It's you—you uh, it, you always ask such great questions. It's a lot of fun having you here, and we'll see you again real soon.
3: Thank you so much.
1: All right, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. And a very special thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies.